everybody. Welcome back to the Five Hole Taxi Squad, a Five Hole Fantasy Hockey presentation. We are here tonight on November 14th at 10.14 p.m. Eastern Time to bring to you tonight the Week 6 Weekend Preview. So, without further ado, Jay, hit those fares and let's get into it. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to the Five Hole Taxi Squad Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are here tonight for the Week 6 Weekend Preview. We are your hosts, Craig, Allen, and Jay. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the pod. Great job on Quick Fairs with Matty K. How are we doing tonight? Dude, it's like Nightmare on Polycarbonate Street or whatever the heck they make sticks out of. Like, tonight's just, I don't know, freaky Friday, Wednesday. I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Tage. <laughs> oh no injuries are a rough go with uh they massacred our boy what, what's happened with Tage thompson tonight uh in the sabers game but we will get to that point and uh alan i think maybe uh jojo's run his course for tampa thank god vasi is skating because uh he looks just like ready to go back to the ahl washington shut out vegas like what what is what is happening I don't understand hockey sometimes. Why don't we dive into it? We are here tonight to talk about the week six weekend preview. First and foremost, the injury report. And my goodness, it's gross. And it just keeps getting grosser. So we start uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets with Jack Roslovic. This crazy man went on the IR yesterday. He's out four to six weeks with a fractured ankle. But I've read a report in that game. He played the third period after he fractured his ankle. Like my goodness, the skates are like boots, man. You can do, you can still do a lot in skates. You might not have needed four to six weeks if he uh, <laughs> didn't get back out there. <laughs> Did he not know his ankle was fractured because he was wearing hockey skates, or is that just still the old school hockey player mentality? Oh, broken, broken ankle. I'm good, man. Like, let's keep going. Let's keep rolling here. He was rolling on the top line while line A was out. This probably gives a little bit more ice time and responsibilities to the likes of Kirill Marchenko and Adam Fantilli. I saw that uh, Igor uh, Chanikov, there we go, was up on the top line tonight with Jenner and line A. Uh, they did lose 5-3 to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I think it's probably Kent Johnson get called up. Uh, another young player out uh, long-term, Thomas Novak from the Nashville Predators, he's going to miss four four to six weeks with an upper body injury. It's too bad he had taken over the 2C position in Nashville and was off to a nice little start. It might make our boy the scissor man, Colton Sissons, more viable than he even was before because he's probably going to go back to the 2C spot uh, with Novak now out. On a positive note, before we get to the not great stuff from tonight... Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Montour are looking both to return on Friday against the Anaheim Ducks. 
I did see a report earlier today that Montour is still the question mark. It is very likely that Aaron Ekblad does return on Friday. Uh, Montour's status does seem to be up into the, up in the air at this time, but they are both practicing with the team. I've also seen a couple of questions in terms of like drops to activate Montour. The last one I saw was, uh, Minchikov, Rowinski, and Sineham. I would drop any of those guys to activate Montour, probably leaning more. Sanheim. Yeah, I was going to say, but yeah, but it depends. I think in a categories league, if you still need hits and blocks coverage, you probably are going to drop Rowinski because Minchikov and Sanheim at least give you some coverage from a categories perspective. And you're going to make up the points that you're losing and the shots on goal. Ekblad probably slots in at PP2 and Montour probably takes PP1 almost instantaneously as long as his shoulder is okay. Now, I'm going to try to keep this short, short and sweet because I do want to get to the week weekend week six preview but there's a couple of note note news and notes and injuries here that i wanted to touch on that are near and dear to my heart and also got me real fired up and the first one is tonight unfortunately tage thompson he got hurt in the first period of uh, the sabers game against the boston bruins he did return that looked to be a lower body injury on a questionable non-tripping call he then came back and on the penalty kill took a shot off the wrist and immediately went down the tunnel and he did not come back. He is now day to day. Certainly disappointing for me who owns him in three leagues. Keep an eye on for updates on Tage. Hopefully it's not double injury. Hopefully it's just one and hopefully it's not a broken wrist that puts him out long term. Now, the other one, kind of injury report and kind of leads into the storyline that the boys and I continue to track and continue to be plugged into. Trevor Zegris was also placed on uh, IR this morning with a lower body injury. The soonest he can return is Wednesday against Colorado, which is tomorrow. So the second half of their back-to-back He's traveling with the team on this road trip, but I did read a report that his status is still up in the air and it's really uncertain if he's even going to play. So we come out of the infirmary, but what's the storyline? Well, the storyline is free Leo Carlson. What in God's name is going on in Anaheim? I understand the load man. No, I, you know what? I don't understand the load management. Trevor Zegers was put on IR this morning. You had a game against Nashville tonight, and you put Leo Carlson in the press box? Allen said it perfectly offline before we jumped on. Manage his minutes. Don't manage his games, especially when you're missing one of your top players. The kid just played eight straight games. You're telling me he needs a rest? Especially with Zegers hurt? This is why we're still tied. But I bet you they would have six, more than 16 shots on goal, and they would be better than 0 for 4 on the power play if Leo Carson was playing tonight. I don't understand what analytical monkey came into this man's office to before the season started and said, please, your 18-year-old's second overall pick who has more protection and more skill around him than Connor Bedard in Chicago – you can't push him too hard in the first half of the season, no matter what he shows us. And after eight straight games and Zegers going on the IR, you put him back in the press box. God damn it. Free Leo Carlson. Let the kid skate. Let the kid cook. Let the kid do what he's supposed to be doing. 
Verbeek should be making himself look smart for taking this kid second overall, not making himself look dumb because we're now adopting NBA practices and bringing in load management into the NHL game. What is happening? Like, I don't understand. Free this kid. Let the man go. How can he even compete with the Calder if he's not even playing? I, I, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Craig, I, I'm going to selfishly say as well, I completely agree with the concept of free Carlson. However, as a Soros fan on a badly needed Predators win, I might be okay if free Carlson takes a little bit of a break for tonight. This Anaheim team is so surprisingly outperforming any expectation. And part of that you got to expect is to give some minutes to your your youngsters right to give some minutes where guys can play meaningful hockey not just you know i don't know dumpster fire whatever on the ice he has 14 shots four points including three goals in the last three games and then all of a sudden you decide it's time for him to rest again he can't, he's coming off a hat trick which he helped lead the ducks to a victory in that game 4 days ago and I'm not one to chase points from the day before in fantasy, but this is just from a, a hockey lover's standpoint. He's supposed to be one of the best young players in the game. That's why they drafted him second overall. And he's just sitting in the, in the press box. Well, they're they're going for a second great player, and they're looking like weenies <laughs> for Celebini. Oh, man. Verbeek, I guess, uh, I, I guess he truly thinks on a different transcendent plane to us all. In ways we can neither fathom nor understand. I bet you the analytics expert that recommended this load management for Carlson is also like 18 years old. He's just like a statistic genius. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to completely screw this kid. And I'm going to be like, I asked chat GPT what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I use this AI scripted manifest program that I created. And it says, we should load management our 18 year old second overall pick you know and oh and and also for beak you should drop the bag of money and overpay alex Kaloran too while you're at it this is a fine strategy for the anaheim ducks going into the 2023 2024 season but i'm gonna stop i'm gonna take a deep breath we're gonna get back to what the people are here for on the van cab we're gonna get into the week six weekend preview so alan well, I grab a drink and take a deep breath. <laughs> you start taking the people through the schedule and where we want to take them from a streaming standpoint to help them win their matchups this week. And hopefully uh, not us, though. <laughs> We've already gotten torpedoed. Well, I'm screwed uh. now. I'm screwed now. <laughs> like unless Carlson plays the next three games, a couple of the spots where I have him, I have no ads left. So I have to keep him for the rest of the even Dude, if he it's only plays like one game. Tuesday night and you're out of ads? Come on, man. Bad as Jay. This is the life I live, Alan. Okay. You just I get so excited when I see the people I want stream for the week. I just I just can't hold off. Like it's it's just who I am. All right. So schedule. Schedule. So the Friday Sunday sweet spot. Hopefully you picked up those ducks early on in the week because Anaheim is one of the teams with the Friday Sunday. I swear schedule. to God, if he doesn't play Friday Sunday, I'm gonna lose it. I'm a <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. Um Buffalo, who is not Anaheim and does not have 
uh, Leo Carlson also plays Friday, Sunday and Toronto. The teams that just play Friday are Detroit, Florida Panthers and Winnipeg. And then Sunday, you actually have a few teams to choose from. Uh, Chicago, Columbus, Minnesota, Philly, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Vegas. A few streams from some of the bigger guys on Friday, Sunday. Casey Middlestat. I mean, shit, he might be line one now. I have In my notes, I said line two, but with Tage out, yeah, it could be him or Cousins on line one. But he was getting power play one time, uh, before at least before tonight's game. I can't believe I'm doing this, but... Alex Kalorn, left wing, right wing, 29%. With Zegris out, he's uh, line one, power play one, without Leo Carlson. And then uh, Matthew Nyes on Toronto. He actually gotten a couple points uh, up on the line with Matthews and Marner. So line one, and then uh, power play two. He's kind of hitting a little, too. Uh, and then goalies, Anthony Stellars. Could see, very likely see Anaheim on Friday, and he actually got the start tonight. And again, uh, Joel Hoffer watch, uh, he could see Anaheim on Sunday. Even though Bennington's posting a shutout against I know, Bennington is. I know. <laughs> uh, that might be a confession right there, man. Bennington is, he's, he is sensing my, like, reverse jinx. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, Hoffer could see Anaheim on Sunday and then, uh, Laurent Brossois, uh, Winnipeg could either see either Buffalo or Arizona on Friday or Saturday and big boy bangers. Another, I can't believe I'm doing this, but Max Domi center left wing hits with uh, some point upside. He's gotten some points lately. And again, when I check today, guys, why is Gudis under 50% owned? But if he is owned in your league, Ilya Labushkin again for hits, Shocked to find his ownership wasn't higher, but Jared Spurgeon's only 21% owned. He's definitely been hitting and blocking since he's come back, but it looks like Minnesota is still deluding themselves into thinking that five forward power play works. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but <laughs> but it might work for us. And so he's getting power play too. Um, but now I want to hand it over to Jay so we can lament some more about how Leo Carlson is not playing tonight. Gudis has three points in two games with two goals, and he has five hits tonight, and he also had a fighting major tonight. I love I love that man. And, Jay, the Leafs signed Klingberg instead of this guy. Like, come on. Well, Gudis apparently didn't want – like, his thing was – I was like, I don't want to deal with the media. Like, that's why I didn't sign there. To be fair, Gudis also may have a literal vendetta with his very – kind-hearted gentle talking to joseph wall after uh after after that florida series with toronto so i'm sure the media would have been very happy with him and been extra kind had he come to toronto but that aside um <laughs> i think i think if anything alan uh i like i like your streamer suggestions are you are you uh nursing a little a little toronto fandom uh somewhere deep down <laughs> They're doing all right right now, man. They're they're one of the few teams that are consistently scoring. It's again, it's it's nightmare on polycarbonate street, man. I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I just appreciate him going back into the flames with Kaloran now that he's actually <sighs> You knew he was gonna be part of that top six and probably get some power play time just because of the bag of money they gave him. And now with Zegris not only injured now, but off to a horrendously slow start and this silliness of this 
load management for Leo Carlson, they're going to lean on him. And whether we like it or not, it doesn't change that their schedule is ideal for streaming. And now that they're, I'm not going to say a legitimate team in the West, but they actually have some traction from a fantasy standpoint. He might be one of the very few in their top six. six Anaheim is a, is a red rider wagon. Well, that's it's, he could be one of the very few from their top six because apparently after this week nobody's going to stream leo carlson ever because you never know when he's going to be in the press box he could be one of the very few from their their top six that's actually streamable it's going to be like the season where hints <laughs> you only found out if he was playing like five minutes before the game <laughs> yeah i don't that leo carlson story is literally going to be like tracked throughout this whole entire time it's kind of ridiculous that you know with the team as good compared to what we expected that he's not playing he's gotta play right like he's gotta play at the end let's let's take the van cab back onto the the straight and narrow here (laughs) (laughs) okay so week six you should be able to make an assertion of your team by thursday morning at least and so if you it depends what you think general strategy again thursday friday and sunday would be the most ideal setup there's no team that plays the Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Second best is you're going to snag a team in the coming weekend for the three out of four nights uh, with the Sunday off night. So you're going to get them on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, a couple teams to mention there. There's Columbus, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Vegas, Chicago. Get any of those guys, you can kind of get like a, you know, Extra boost for the second half of the week, including the weekend. I'll rattle off a few names, but again, every single one of these uh, abides by two rules. One is uh, best player available. Second one is just go check. Because a lot of the guys that I'm mentioning are either just under 50% owned, and it's it's really a toss-up. But Columbus, the first guy up is Boone Jenner, who is line one. PP1 somehow is still only 52% owned. Uh, Wierenski is also the same idea. I can't believe it. He's only 48% owned. Maybe some guys forgot about, or some managers might have forgot to pick him up. He was hurt to start the season. He's totally back now. You need a C, grab Fentilli's at 27% ownership. Need a D, grab Ivan Provorov, 24% ownership. You need a winger like Karel Marchenko. This guy is PP1, line one, and now it's, it's a question if that's going to remain with line A skating now again, but 8% ownership? He scored again tonight. I think he has three goals in the last four games. Red hot. Red hot. 8% ownership, three out of four games. I'll take my chances. Yeah, a couple of names for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is another one of those fantasy deserts where it's not that they are poor to own. Uh, quite the contrary. The problem is all the guys worth owning are, you know, 94% ownership, 78% ownership. So I guess if there's any other name that's worthwhile to pick now that's still left, uh, Ricard Raquel, Ricky Rax, he's like, what, 36% owned. He is in a three-way, not only two-way duel, but a three-way duel for the right wing spot on the power play one. Uh, he's battling it out with Riley Smith, Brian Rust and himself, and I think right now Riley Smith's got the better of all of them, but yeah, it's Ricky Rax. He started the year on PP1, super slow. They dropped him off it. Pittsburgh's not doing too hot anyway. 
half-decent chance that he's going to get back up there. He's also pretty much your only shot if you're planning on streaming Pittsburgh Penguins. It's 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 pretty much just him. Everyone else is like 75% plus owned. St. Louis has a bunch of guys that are interesting. I mean, Robert Thomas, Braden Shen, 46, 44% owned. They're, they're in the Jusco check territory as well. Those guys get all like line one, PP1, all that snaz. And other guys that get it as well. Tori Krug. I couldn't believe he's 19%. I, I think he quarterbacks the power play, and he's 19% owned. Like, he doesn't eat the highest number of minutes, but he definitely eats the power play minutes. Kasperi Kapanen, 1% owned. He still gets power play two time. Not to shit on the St. Louis Blues, but they are an average NHL team with a better-than-average performing home record due to a hot goalie that is boosting their record in the standings. So... The, the only thing with the Blues is that you have to recognize that because of how they operate, they haven't even scored 40 goals this season. They also haven't let in 40 goals, but that just goes to show that they're really just getting by because their goaltending is really hot right now. Um, anyways. Just as a point, Jay, Perunovic is on PP1 for the Blues, not Krug. But Krug has, has had two points tonight in their win. So he's definitely, like you said, still very viable and a big part of their offensive output next team up for that three out of four day games last two teams vegas and chicago vegas has two guys like i'm starting to suspect that the reason vegas goalies get so much credit mcnab and alec martinez have 48 blocks and 36 blocks respectively and i think they played 15 games that's definitely over three blocks a game Martinez has played 10 games and is 36 blocks. So both of these guys are averaging over three blocks a game. Martinez is almost averaging three and a half blocks per game. No wonder Vegas is not letting that leaking in that many goals. Like half the shots aren't even making it to the goalies. Uh, Most of Vegas is also going to be a fantasy desert. Chandler Stevenson is injured right now. So maybe you're looking for a next guy up, like possibly Paul Cotter, but... It's a similar scenario with some of the other teams like Toronto, Buffalo. Most of the guys that are worthwhile to own probably are owned. Maybe, maybe uh, Ivan Barbashev. Like, he's possibly got some deployment upside, but yeah. Okay, we're going to move on. Chicago, everyone there should be available. Uh, They just had a bad week. Connor Bedard and Seth Jones aside, everyone on that roster should be available Again, any Chicago player, the big caveat is remember to drop them after the week concludes, right? It's like toilet paper. You use it, and then you dump it. Yeah, we talked about Friday. Uh, The next strategies uh, for any weekends would be those Friday-Sunday off nights, and it's only those three teams, Anaheim, Buffalo, Toronto. Yeah, we covered it quickly, so I'm just going to roll over a couple of ones. You need a center, (laughs) Leo Carlson, but it depends if Verbeek lets him play. (laughs) <laughs> Ryan Strom, like if you need a winger, sure, but Buffalo is going to be a team that I'm going to lean on a bit here. Now, Middlestad is definitely a name to monitor in the next little bit, especially if Tuck remains out. But now with Tage out as well, it looks like tonight the guy that's floated in has been Jordan Greenway of all team, of all players. Now, you can imagine how it would look like if you can get that, well, no longer red, fiery, hot power play one, but still, still pretty damn good. Skinner, Darlene, yeah, heck yeah, I want some shares of that. So, Middlestat, Greenway, 
see who's there. Just kind of monitor it, right? Like, definitely not for the rest of the season. Like, I hope Tage, you know, like, like God willing, is back, like, very, very shortly. But definitely for the next few games, for the rest of this hot week, Friday, Sunday off night, heck yeah. Toronto uh, is pretty much, again, another fantasy desert. Uh, it's Big Four and Morgan Riley that live there, and everyone else is kind of just a crapshoot, right? Like, it's it's five-on-five on five hockey. Uh, see if Bertuzzi's around. See if Nyes was dropped. Uh, he had a pretty hot setup the past few. He's kind of cooled off a bit, but yeah, Bertuzzi and Nyes, see if they're there. I'm going to throw it back to Craig uh, after strategy. Here's where we usually do the Taxi Squad members watch list. But we want to have a little bit of fun with, you know, now being, you know, what are we now, six weeks into the season almost, give or take. And with a lot of chatter in the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Discord and on Twitter slash X on the slow starters, the hot starts from some players, we wanted to do a little segment of buy low sell high but we are going to do this rapid fire style just give some quick thoughts quick perspective on a handful of guys why don't we dive right into this so alan and jay i'm just going to give you guys three names i will start with alan for the first three i will give you my classification of them whether it's buy low or sell high then, you know, give the listeners your thoughts, your perspective, whether it's a hold, whether you agree with me, uh, if you agree with me, who you would target in exchange for that player. A lot of people looking to move off of these guys or go and buy some of these guys. If you can get a two for one or even in some cases a three for one to help you a little bit uh, across multiple areas of your team. This is probably where I would say this would be the ideal situation to move some of these guys that are maybe sell high or buy low candidates. But other than that, I think the majority of them are still we're practicing patience with a lot of these names. But let's have a little bit of fun with it and uh, let's see what kind of takes we can come across from it. So, Alan, the first three are buy lows. Alex Deprincat, who is cooled off completely with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh Kevin Fiala, who's just kind of been slow out the gate as his normal progress generally dictates. He seems to be that guy that heats up in the second half. So he's always a good buy low candidate. And Jason Robertson, I don't know if he's doing the same thing as he did last year in terms of the slow start. He has kind of picked it up a little bit over the last week or so, but he's still kind of fluttering, not really shooting the puck as much as he did last year. Um, give us your thoughts. Yeah, uh, Debrinkat, absolutely agree by low. Fiala, he's still on a point per game pace like uh, i don't i don't know how what buying low would be considered for for any guy on on that kind of pace um robo he's starting to pick it up i think the buy window on robo's kind of closed i don't know if you could buy low on fiala or robo at this point maybe to bring cat because uh the pendulum's absolutely going to swing the other way on uh on detroit again yeah i think i agree with you i think jason robertson is an absolute hold unless you're getting something real spicy in return He's a 100-point player as long as he can return to somewhat of the same form as last year. Fiala, although he doesn't seem to have the goal upside that he could have or should have, he's still going to be, like you said, you know, 75-point floor with, you know, looking 
probably pushing that 80 point plus mark. So I would hold on them. Debrinkat for me is probably still going to score 35 to 40 goals. The wings are definitely obviously struggling right now in all facets of the game. If you can buy low on him and you are in need of goal, goal scoring, do your best to do so. And that might be a good transition to Jay for some sell high guys. Maybe one of these guys you could pitch to uh, a Debrinkat owner or maybe even a Fiala owner and uh, get them to bite depending on how desperate they are. So three sell high guys for you, Jay. Frank Veterano, Mason McTavish, and Travis Sineham. What are you doing with them? Vetrano's one of those guys where I think exactly of Timo Meyer a couple of years back, right? Like, guy that, frankly, I think Vetrano's just going to get free reign to do whatever the heck he gets to do on the ice. Like, Anaheim seems to not want to purposefully tank, given that they are not even tanking with the purpose of playing their young players and getting them NHL experience. So um, I I kind of do see Frank Vetrano just getting allowed to do whatever the heck he does. Um, is Frank going to score 11 goals over his next 10 games or 15 games? I, 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 I'd be really surprised, but I, I frankly don't even think Frank is getting all of his points purely through his goals, right? This guy is throwing the body. He's just shooting a ton. He's blocking shots. Like, I can definitely see him continuing to affect the game. Um, and so I'd, I'd hesitate on the sell high mainly because I don't, I don't know who he could be sold for that could potentially continue producing the random peripherals and then the odd goals and get his deployment at the same time. He's kind of like in a Timo Meyer similar situation from the previous two seasons. Personally for McTavish, I'm in the opinion that, yeah, I would, I would probably sell him mainly because I, I don't see those peripherals existing in the same way for McTavish. So a lot of his production is driven and predicated on his actual point production which, yeah, I just I just don't really believe in. Travis Sanheim, oh, I, I am, like, in a safe space. I am a Cam York uh, uh, holder in leagues and considered, like, trading for him and others. And he's, it's weird in the sense that I think Sanheim is exactly what I thought Cam York would have been. And I don't know, at 15 games in the season, I am probably not knowing Torts leaning on the idea that Sanheim is somehow going to lose his entire deployment and have Cam York step up in his absence. Like, there's no one else other than Sanheim than Cam York. And I don't think Torts likes Cam York. There, there is, there is though. This Sean Walker, Texas Ranger guy, <laughs> apparently got a significant amount of power play last game. At the end of the day, okay, I, I'm going to say this straight up as well. I'm going to say this straight up as well. Travis Sanheim to start this season was an absolute nobody. So if Travis could get free run, then I was going to say, well, who the fuck is Sean Walker? But maybe it doesn't matter as long as Torts Blender, maybe he's getting on Brindamore's level. But who could you reasonably sell Travis for? 
Like, what is a player that is going to get that same run of money and also is going to be willing and worthwhile to be traded for Travis Sanheim? I don't know. I don't think there's a real answer for any of these guys that are getting such immense deployment and outperforming anybody's expectations. I agree with some of your points, but I think if you look under the hood, and I I didn't do this in the first three names because I think it's pretty self-explanatory for them, but if you look under the hood at these three guys, and I have seen some questions regarding like what to do with them and what who's who's unsustainable and if you actually look at it so after tonight they both had assists mctavish and vetrano so they both have 16 points in now 15 games uh, and the, to me although you're getting good peripheral coverage from vetrano he was second in the team in ice time tonight so he had 20 over 22 minutes on ice tonight and the only person that had more was cam fowler However, his shooting percentage is 23.4% to start the season on 47 shots on goal. That's going to regress. The whole team is scoring much more than expected. And like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, I don't know why the hell they're caging their wild animal rookie, Leo Carlson, that is hurting their ability to score even more. Um, so to me, the hot sell high candidate is, is Veterano if you can. Uh, and I think if you're in a league where, you know, you know, you have a general manager, or a couple out there that look at rankings, right? Like in terms of where they fall right now, like Veterano is a top 15 player, if not a top 10 player in most scoring, uh, uh, models right now with an unsustainable shooting percentage. Now, on the other side, Mason McTavish, 16 points in 15 games. He only has a 16.3% shooting percentage. Yes, a little bit high, but not even close to as high as Frankie Vetrano. And he's also getting seen a significant boost in time on ice. Over two, two minutes and 20 seconds more than he did last year. And in that premium position of power play one and centering the second line with Veterano and Kloran now, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, I think you hold on McTavish. You sell high on Veterano. Sandheim is an interesting one for me. Jay is as, and Alan, I just looked as you spoke. Yes, Walker is taking some power play share away from him, but Sandheim's still getting like upwards of 60% of the power play share. Walker's just kind of in the conversation in that 32 to 35% power play share, but Sandheim's still getting tw- almost 26 minutes time on ice. Power play one quarterbacks, regardless of who they play for, you gotta hold especially with his little bit of coverage that he gives you from a hits and block standpoint, shots on goal. Philly's going to be that kind of ebbs and flows in and out. They're going to kind of have a hot streak of scoring and then they're going to go flat. Like this is a team that's putting Morgan Frost, who uh, is a point per game player to start the year when he's in the lineup, but he's been healthy scratched seven times. I think, yeah, Sandheim's a hold, McDavish is a hold, and I think you sell high on Vetrano if you can. All right, Alan, two more for you, because I know you like to talk about these two guys, and I know what you're going to say about one. I have them categorized as sell highs, but you tell me if I'm right or wrong and where you would want to go. Mike Matheson and Brock Besser. 
Mike Matheson, you fucking hold, you diamond hand. Um, <laughs> he has no competition for his spot, and at least for right now, Montreal's doing better than a lot of us thought they would. And then Brock Besser, Besser baby. I I was thinking about this. Like I I agree with the sell high uh, prognosis, but I would say what we we realistically expect him to come down to like what a sixty point guy. If you can sell him for someone who. I don't know, like a Fiala, someone who at least like point per game ish or like higher, dude, do that. Well, that's an easy one because I agree with you. If you don't don't hold on Matheson, you're nuts. Matheson, you hold his coverage across categories is just uh, outstanding. He's getting similar ice time as Sinem is like 25 plus minutes a night. He has no competition in terms of PP1. Caulfield's kind of cooking a little bit. Suzuki's been actually pretty good over the last three weeks as well. So there is some offensive. And then, you know, Monahan Assance, yes, I know it's real. Uh, yes, I, I get it. Even though he didn't do anything tonight for the first time in a few games, but that's okay. We'll, we'll give him a pass. I actually saw an interview of him saying that uh, his last two seasons in Calgary, he could barely skate. And this is the first time in three years he has actually felt like his old self. So no wonder you're starting to see him kind of uh, be able to play hockey again. Uh, but I digress. Yes, absolutely hold on Matheson. And thank you, Alan. You said exactly what I thought you were going to say. Sell high on Besser 100%. I think you've already seen uh, the Canucks kind of slow a little bit. I don't think that that impacts Petey Miller or even Hughes, because he's still shooting. Uh, but I think it does impact their peripheral guys, and Brock Besser is one of their peripheral guys. Whether he scores 30 or 35 or 40 goals, to me, he's still shooting at 28.6% shooting percentage on 42 shots on goal. He's still getting around 18.42 average time on ice, but he's never done it before. He's never played at a point-per-game pace. He's never scored more than 30 goals. He's barely played a full season in his career. He's still a show-me guy, regardless of how hot he's humming right now. And I absolutely agree with you. If you can go get a Fiala, a Debrinkat, maybe even an Ovi with with the likes of Besser. Do it. Do it now. Because those are all guys with proven track records of producing, whether it's Debrinkat's goal scoring, Fiala's point per game, and Ovi being Ovi, that is that is an upgrade for your fantasy hockey team for a guy who is clearly unsustainable because he's not going to do what Kuzmenko did last year. Maybe he is. I don't know. He's got great hair, but I don't know. I don't see another guy from Vancouver holding a 27 plus percent shooting percentage and scoring 40 goals. Okay, Jay. I'm going to give you the last two, and then Alan's going to hit these forwards with a little bit of my opinion on one of them. Dougie Hamilton and your boy, 150-point man, Josh Josh Morrissey. I have them classified both as by lows. You go ahead, Jay. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're moving Hamilton, the main one is you're probably not going to upgrade within position. You might be trading him to upgrade and shore up a separate position. Uh, I, I don't remember where it came from, but the rumor was that Luke is getting that PP1 time in no small part because Jack was pushing for it and pressuring so, which in some ways uh, reeks of nepotism and at the same time is 
a fascinating time right now given that Jack is not on the ice, right? Jack is currently on IR, but the question does remain, if Jack comes back in the next five to ten games without a hitch, and again, you see a couple games where Hamilton starts having no timeshare, where Luke, for some reason, is getting on that PP1, that's not a good look especially not for Hamilton's setup, given especially that, you know, you you paid high draft capital to get Hamilton, you know, definitely on that PP1. It it, it shouldn't be, right? Like, I'm, I'm saying nepotism, but the real thing I'm saying is, guys, Luke Hughes is Luke Hughes. He's great. He's not Dougie. Like, you shouldn't be swapping a PP1 spot to the brother of the best player on the team. That that's it. That's that's a ridiculous setup. And the fact that the Devils would be in a situation like that would make me feel like if I had Hamilton and I could see that shit coming back again, no, I'm I'm not gonna stand for another full season. I'll shore up some other position. I'll get some other guy in. But yeah, you want exactly like Alan described, exactly as Matheson's setup, right? Like you want the guy that is the PP1 quarterback. That he gets injured, he comes back, like he comes back from anything, and he's just slotted right back in. And I think if that's the case, I would even consider Morrissey in that exact boat, right? Like a buy low, 100%. Who else is going to be in his spot? There's no Jack Hughes sitting there, you know, pushing and prepping for his younger brother to <laughs> slot into your position in Winnipeg. 100%. Under the hood, Morrissey's still on like a 60-point pace. His his even strength IPP is good. His power play IPP is actually a little low, so he could be due for some more power play points. Regression candidate from 60 points? I don't know. I think 150. To 150. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the main goal. But um, yeah, not yesterday, but the day before when we were on quick fares as well, I think Maddie K had a mention that was very, very important to remember for all listeners. Again, his quote was, and it's not necessarily a fantasy hockey quote, but we can, you know, cross-apply these. Um, the market can remain irrational for longer than you can remain solvent. And to port it over into a fantasy hockey term, you need the guys that are performing well now. Because at the end of the day, all those weeks, all those times, all those head-to-head records, they don't matter come March, February, if you're just too many games back of those playoff spots it doesn't matter or help you if you know you waited and held on to hamilton all those weeks and don't you worry he finally came good in week 11 doesn't matter right like you've lost like eight games eight weeks it's it's too little too late grab the mathesons trade for them right grab the morrisseys but any of that dumbassery such as like hamilton losing his spot for you know like internal nepotism or politics Get that out of your team. Grab a guy that's going to be a bonafide PP1 that doesn't have, you know, you know, some some other person arguing for a slot for his brother. And, you know, like, roll on. Win those games. Win your league. Here's a question, Jay, before we go to our last two guys in the, in the, in the buy low, sell high van cab. Would you trade Josh Morrissey for Dougie Hamilton right now? Like if you have, if you were the Hamilton owner, would you trade Hamilton for Morrissey if somebody offered that to you? My heart is I would rather have Morrissey's deployment, but if people value Hamilton more, I will try to get more back 
for Morrissey, but I would way rather have Morrissey's deployment. Personally, I don't think you trade either of these guys. Both are 60-point floor defensemen on high, you know, high-octane power plays. Regardless of Hamilton's pressure he's seeing from Luke Hughes, he's still getting almost three more minutes total time on ice than Luke Hughes is uh, in any given game, even though tonight they had very similar ice time. And his shots on goal rates are elite of elite at the position. So his ceiling, regardless of Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer being out, is is probably higher than any other defenseman you're going to find. Now, if you like Jay said, if you can do a two for one and and upgrade at a forward position, and you get like a second tier power play quarterback back, like a Vince Dunn in that package, yeah, maybe you can consider that. I wouldn't be hard pressed to pre- uh, to push the trade button for either of those guys at any uh, anytime soon. Alan, let's finish off this one because I don't really have an answer for these two guys, and it was almost another gripe of mine if he didn't score tonight. And thank God he had almost twenty minutes time on ice. It's probably a a factor of not having Heischer and not having Jack Hughes there. But I have no idea what to do with Timo Meyer. I don't know if he's buy low, sell high, and then. What the hell's going on with Ovi? He's at a 22-goal pace right now. I think that was better than what I saw earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, (laughs) there is so much. Like, I know he still fills the stat sheet from a shots shots on goal and a hits perspective. But he's not scoring. I don't even think he had a point tonight. And didn't they score four? I don't think so. They scored three in that shutout. I don't think he had a point. So, Alan, help the people out there. What did they do with the, with Timo Meyer and of Alex Ovechkin? I'm sorry, but I think if you drafted Meyer at the 80 to 100 point range, you overpaid. He might be just a 60 to 70 point guy now. We just we've we've been over this. Other people have been over this. Like he just doesn't have to be the guy in Jersey. Uh, he's just another weapon. That's absolutely going to bring him down. But Ovi, I would absolutely buy low on him. I don't know what I would offer. I I feel like I've tried to make a couple reasonable offers to the Ovi owner in one league. And of course, trades are just hard in that league, period, because no one wants to budge on anything. But no, I, I would still buy low on Ovi because like the Oilers in general, all it takes is one period, one game, and they're elite again. I wonder if there's an owner out there based on his low production to start the season and based on Besser being on fire would do Besser for OV straight up. Not anyone who listens to this pod, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think one thing that is in Besser's court as well is simply the fact that there's always one team that ends up rolling out the gate super hot and many tail off. But there's that one team that often rolls on and actually stays relatively hot throughout the season. Uh, I think last season exactly was the New Jersey Devils, right? That team, previous the previous year, was rolling out Damon Severson because Hamilton was hurt, right? Like, they were languishing in the bottom of the standings in 21-22. Season right afterwards, their draft picks come through, they're like everything clicked. Like Vanacek came like and looked like wow, like this guy's amazing. 
we're holding on in our minds for this 22-23 guys, right? We're thinking of the New Jersey Devils as that team. Maybe if we looked at the standings a little closer, we'd realize maybe maybe it's really just the Jack Hughes show. And now that he's out for a bit, they're kind of just, eh, you know, like tapering a bit. The only reason I would really trade target Meyer is if Hughes ends up being hurt like long term because then he's in a good boat, right? Like in terms of his deployment. But I would also say, if anything, like what if the Canucks are the this this 23-24 breakout team just like last year's New Jersey Devils were the breakout team? Because in that case, maybe I do want to hold on to Brock Besser. I don't know if I necessarily want to trade for him, but maybe I would want to hold on and, you know, like ride the coattails of whatever the heck is happening with JT Miller and whatever the heck is happening with Elias Pedersen. My goodness. Well, I think we talked about it last week. I think we all agreed that there is something real with what Vancouver's doing. And with the volatility of the Western Conference, probably their ability to win and the level that Demko's playing at is somewhat sustainable. I think the the question mark around that team is, can they sustain the offensive output at the rate that it has been for them? And that most likely by the numbers looks unrealistic, which means a step down in production for the peripheral guys. I think PD pushes 100 points I, easy. I think Miller might even, on the level he's playing right now, might also do the same. He might have a 100-point ceiling this year. But the others, if they can't maintain that pace, the others around them will see that impact. Here's an interesting one. Would you trade Meyer, and we'll sign off on this one, for either of those two ducks running spicy hot right now and getting way more ice time than him uh, on a regular basis? If I admire, hell no. <laughs> Jay's like thinking about it. I, I kind of knew Alan was going to say hell no, but... <laughs> I, I don't think the name recognition for either Vetrano or McTavish would be worth solely i guess the trade for meyer because i do think if you traded meyer for them you could probably leverage more back than just a vetrano or make tavish it's a fair point well well boys why don't we sign off on that a little bit of buy low sell high for the people out there we will say thank you as always for listening uh follow us all on twitter uh slash x you can find our handles in the show notes uh, please, if you are not in there already, join the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Discord. It is go 2,500 plus strong now of all fantasy hockey like-minded individuals chatting all things fantasy hockey and life in general. If you're not already in there, get in there. Uh, we'd love to have you. We'd like, love to get your questions. Uh, maybe we'll throw another mailbag out to the people soon as well. Get some other questions in and uh, try to answer those on the next show. But we will sign off for now. Jay, turn off the fares. Let's park off the cab. Uh, actually, I believe Raj dropped his sixth episode of his limited series, the five hole uh, fantasy hockey guide. So if you haven't got into that, check that out. He does have a separate channel, but it's still a sister channel, uh, an affiliate to the five hole fantasy hockey uh, team uh, here. So please check that out. Give us uh, a like and five stars on wherever you get your fine podcasts and uh, the taxi squad will be back real soon. Good night, everybody. It's all love. 
Free Leo Carlson. Leo! We'll pick you up later.